Okay. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Claws and Raws Unplugged, where we continue to bring you our take on the news and information out there regarding all things in this world today. Uh, my name is Joe Clossy, and with me is my co-host, Nikon Razi. What up, dude? Not much is up, dude. Dr. Razi's here. <laughs> I go by doctor now. Um, but uh, welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. It's, it's awesome to be here, and we're really excited to bring you uh, this week's guest. As you know, for our listeners, we've been finding folks from the past to come back, and we can find out what they're doing um, and, and touch base with them. This week, we have a graduate from the class of 2017. Andrew Ohl. Right. Andrew Ohl. The hey, Meister. guys. Since graduating, oh, sorry, we're still introducing Andrew. Oh, damn. Give me me a second. It's going to take take a while. Got two more lines. Andrew has embarked upon a military career, and we would love for him to tell us some stories and answers of uh, a few questions. So, all right, Andrew, let's get into the first question, man. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing good. I'm just, um, I'm happy to be here, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's great to get in contact with you guys again. It's been three years, so. It's crazy. It's crazy. I I gotta ask though before we get further into this, like, is it Marine Corps or is it Marine Corps? It's core. It's core. If you say right. corps, I guarantee right. you, you'll so get I some won the, looks. That's what I thought. So I won this bet. Somebody told me it was corps. Is core is core short for something? No, no, no. That's that. That's it. It's a uh, core as in like a. Um, I guess like a group is the way. I don't know. Right. I couldn't read you the definition of core gotcha. off the top of my mind. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Okay. I do understand though why it wouldn't be corpse after seeing it written and hearing it out loud. That's true. That is true. That would be a terrible question to ask. Andrew, let me ask you. Um, I'm going to jump right in. So since you decided to go to the military route post-ACE, which was based upon hours of conversation and debate um, as to the choices that you wanted to make for yourself in your life. Um, And I'm asking this question partly on behalf of Mr. Middleton as well, because I know that he was on the receiving end of a lot of those conversations. Do you feel as though this was the right choice for you? Uh, I feel like personally, it definitely was the right choice for me. Um, Could maybe were there ways had I, you know, been more motivated or driven prior to joining the military that I could have probably made a better decision down a different route, definitely. But specifically to what my weaknesses were as an individual and what I needed in my life, the military was perfect in that regard. And I feel like it sort of uh, fixed the tracks on my train, you know, yeah. if it, that's, that's a way of putting it. So you just said, you know, if you had, you know, there may have been a better, a better way. Like, I don't know. What's the best way to get into the military? Do you have any thoughts now? Like if you were to go back, what you would have done differently or maybe what you would have told your old high school self? Um, well, it, it really depends. Uh, I feel like personally, I'm happy with my decision that I, uh, that I joined the Marine Corps, uh, specifically as opposed to like other branches per se. Um, Definitely, uh, but I I got really lucky. I got in the job field, which is very small, very applies to what I learned at ACE. Like 
I couldn't have lined up better for me myself in the Marine Corps, but, awesome. um, but that's more of a, ch- comes down to chance. Um, uh, normally like the biggest issue in the military that everyone talks about is like, well, I, I want to do what I want to do. You know, I want to drive tanks, whatever it may be, you know? Um, yeah. that being said, what, how the Marine Corps differs from other branches in the, in the, the most biggest and obvious way is you don't get to spit, pick specifically what job you want you get you have to pick a field so like for example i when i joined i was an engineering field so i could have ended up doing anything from uh driving bulldozers fixing bulldozers building bridges or in my case being a surveyor so i got the lucky end of the stick but Mm. um that's not always the case for everyone wow so it's just i want to go into the engineering field and then you know you're going into being a surveyor um okay so it wasn't like you got to you know they, they just pick and choose where you go once you say i want to be an engineer yeah basically they say what what are you interested in uh you could be like oh uh, you know I, I want to be a grunt you know they're like okay well these are the five jobs you're going to end up being one of these you know okay um and that applies for everything you know radios driving etc cetera, etc cetera. every job field is broken down that same way awesome um andrew let's let's take a, a different turn here um i'm going to define um, a a kind of a question term that I use. It's called a gray moment. And the gray moments are times in your life when something can either go amazingly well or terribly wrong based on just one or two small slight factors that change the outcome of that scenario. Where or, or can you tell if tell us of a situation that was a gray moment for you in the years that you've been in the military so far. Um, and it still worked out really positively. Like you guys all of a sudden you're like, Oh, well that worked out great. You know? Mm. Um, I'd probably say I have two, uh, on two very different sides of the spectrum. Uh, my first one would definitely have been when I joined. Um, it's not common. The Marine Corps is a very, um, like the needs of the many do not apply to the needs of the few. Um, like you, you do what we need. And that's sort of the end of the discussion. And when I had just gone out of boot camp, I had gone to combat training at the very end of it. That's normally when you go to your job training school, wherever that may be, the teacher how to do your job. Um, and I remember they handed me my paperwork and it, they were like, Oh, you're going to be a supply administrative clerk. You're going to work in a warehouse. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't sign a contract for this, you know, um, <laughs> I didn't, that was definitely, um, and myself and a few other individuals had to make a riot to basically get uh, our superiors convinced to like look through our paperwork and double check, and they were like, oh, what do you know? You're actually not a clerk, you're, uh, you're a surveyor. Our bad, you know, paperwork gets mixed up. Um, but it was one of those things where if I, had, if I hadn't said anything about it, um, I probably would have gone from one of the best fields I could be in in the Marine Corps to some warehouse clerk, totally not what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. Um, and so my career and me being here talking to you right now would have been very different uh, had that situation not played out that way. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. 
the military is a big entity. So, hmm. you know, there's always stuff that gets caught up on the side, you know, things fall to the wayside more often um, yeah. than you would think because okay. it's such a big and clunky uh, organization. Interesting. Um, the, sec- the second one, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the second one is definitely on a, uh, I feel like it takes a lot where things could have been a lot different. Uh, when I was, I just came back from deployment and I was in Iraq on December 8th when we got bombed by uh, some ISIS members with a rocket truck at my base. Um, very different situation. I mean, I feel like that's the most obvious one. It, I'm here talking to you, so it could have been a lot different, a lot worse, but um, God willing, it worked out this way and I'm here. Um, but I think those are the only two real huge moments that were like looking back. Yeah. I could have been in a very different place right now. Had neither of those two events worked out the way they did. I mean, that second one sounds like full on battle. Um, it, I, it would be cooler to say that it was that it was like, yeah, they bombed us and I picked up my gun and I ran out the base and I shot them, you know, it didn't work that way. Um, Mm these kind of maneuvers are they're pretty common over there in theater um, one two guys run up with you know a little tube and they just start are firing rockets and they run off before we can even find out where they are and these wow. kind of like harassment maneuvers are pretty common uh, uh, if you're if you follow a lot of like military sources uh for, towards the news you always hear you know oh this place got bombed this place got bombed yeah. 10 12 rockets whatever it may be it's pretty common, but uh, definitely a very life-changing experience when, you, when you're there and it's happening. Wow. That is amazing. So, Andrew, I, I want to share yeah. my screen for a second and have you – can you guys see this? Yeah, I see that. It's full screen on my end. It looks great. Can you, like, walk us through um, – I muted the sound. Um, yeah, it's quite loud. Through, like, what's happening here? Um, so specifically, uh, this video, when I record, I was in a M22 Osprey. These are the vertical takeoff, um, planes. They're the ones where their propellers can rotate up, take off vertically or lay them down and take off like a plane. Oh, wow. Um, this was on my defense site survey mission. Is that Um, you? No, that's not me on that. that. That's some guy. It gets okay. paid quite a bit more than I do. Yikes. Yeah, I'm recording it. Dude, um, keep that money. Um, we were going to a base in Iraq to evaluate their defenses and their safety procedures uh, because this wasn't long after uh, the whole Iran situation happened. So, oh, wow. you know, we had, to, we had to make sure that every place was safe and had the most up-to-date protection should something like that actually happen. You know, a pseudo-World War III, as people online like to say. Um, and so I was heading over here in western Iraq. Uh, and this is just that last of a three-hour flight or something like that. This is the last couple bit of that where we were coming in and landing specifically on that base there. Whoa. Oh, that's why you're so low to the ground? Yeah, exactly. Normally, we would fly a lot higher, um, normally like above the clouds, um, because the clouds actually there are pretty low um, in Iraq specifically. So it's not that high. It's not like we have to have a closed cabin or anything. 
Wow. Dude, that is so wild. And have you been trained to use that weapon? Uh, that specific weapon? Yes, I am. That's a uh, M240 Bravo. Uh, it's our medium machine gun for the Marine Corps. It's a 762 by 51 millimeter cartridge firing machine. It's, uh, it's our go-to machine gun at all times. So normally we'll have like one of those per squad. Um, and, and, and that it's, box it's on the side just has bullets in it? Uh, about 200 cartridges should, oh, yes. Gosh. Jeez Louise, dude. That is unbelievable. Holy cow. Oh, okay, I see. And now you guys are kind of coming back into familiar territory and you're landing? Uh, unfamiliar at the time, now familiar. But um, this was a little um, – it was a little – train station that in the in desert storm had been bombed and taken over by all these different parties it always been like switching sides um and we're just the most the latest to have control of this old bombed out train station and i think i sent some photos further on that show you like these buildings broken down and such like that yeah Yeah, i had a video but um andrew oh is that you kneeling down yeah that Uh, that is well 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 let me tell Mr. Middleton, we will share this picture with him. <laughs> uh, once again, this seems not, like months later. Oh, wow, wow. Not a proud habit, but it's a nasty habit I've picked up but don't out you there. Run so. like all day. Most days, yeah, but we we have to, at the very least, uh, do a physical fitness test and a combat fitness test, both of those respectively, um, each year. So, wow, that I'm still running. Awesome. I'm still. I think doing if you fine. go up, Mister Closet, if you go up, Mister Closet, I think there's Some one fun. more. Yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, if you go down, um, there's that that video of the broken stuff he was talking about. Okay. Let's check these out. So that's like you suited up. That looks so cool. Holy cow, Andrew. You look really dusty. Yeah. So that was from my time at Al-Assad where we ended up getting bombed. Um, and later, that's where that I was. I ran missiles hit. Um, if we can... I was out there on a – sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was out there on a engineering mission. So I'm, I'm a surveyor. Uh, so specifically, my job pertains to blueprint um, and construction site surveying, basically planning out, leading, and overseeing the construction process of, of specifically airfields. My man. But there's only like ever three or four of us, and we're so since we're so such a tiny community in the Marine Corps, we get attached with bigger communities, so we kind of work hand in hand with them. I work with a combat engineer shop, so I follow along with what they do. And every a lot of what they do is uh, ADR, airfield damage repair, uh, which is basically going out there. We isolate spalls or cracks in the uh, airfield itself. We cut it out with concrete saws, mix the concrete, relay it, make it all nice and smooth. So awesome. that way the structural integrity is maintained. And that was after one of my many days slinging concrete out there in Iraq. So Wow. Still got the stash, Nikon. I think you should start taking notes of a proper mustache right there. I, I don't think I can grow out a proper mustache. No, 
And I actually heard that like you grow out proper facial hair from proper experiences. And I think because of his proper experience and uh, you know, service to our country, it's why he has this amazing stash. I think so yeah. as well. And God's so. gave it to him as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. So this one here is a video or you know, where was the so video? Was, uh, uh, it should be back one more. One more. Okay. The Broken Cities? Yeah, yeah this, yeah, this one's one. a video. So where's this, so this is So that's at that base that I landed at. Uh, this Whoa. is where we touched down. Oh, that was and, unfamiliar. I see. Wow. What are you supposed to do there, bro? They drop you off and they're like, hey, Andrew, fix this? <laughs> um, so that specific mission was related to basically I was, I was only there for a few days. I was just evaluating the base itself. Um, for example, like we have like IDF bunkers, you know, like little bunkers we go into if we get bombed so you don't get blown up, you know, they're made out of concrete and sandbags and basically like, okay, yeah, this, this bunker is close enough to where they sleep, you know? So if an emergency happens, they can easily get here. Situations like that, just making sure that everything that we can do to try to keep you alive from a like higher end perspective, like from a higher looking down, like I could train you all day, but if I don't, you know, I have to give you the means to defend yourself. And that was our whole purpose on that mission was just to see that this specific base was at its full potential in that regard. Andrew, I, I just want to ask this one last off-the-cuff question to you. Do you ever think a city like this will ever be rebuilt and livable again? Um, like, look at that, dude. Look at this area. Yeah, and, and that's just that. There's, what's on the other side of that building is uh, are just piles and piles and piles of destroyed train and passenger cars that are all rusted and from war this is all from war so specifically if i remember the story of that specific base was um desert storm popped off and the iraqis took over that and we bombed it um because they were the enemy at the time um and then we occupied it and then we started pulling out of the middle east so we left and then isis when they came up they took over it and isis ran that place for the most part and then when we came back in to stop ISIS, we bombed it again. And then once we managed to push them out, we reoccupied it. Uh, we did. Um, and so it's never been cleaned up. It's still the same way it's been since, you know, probably the early 2000s. Wow. Um, and Andrew, and- I uh, just got to jump in here real quick. Uh, I know we, we agree that we wouldn't get into certain, like, you know, things because obviously we don't want to jeopardize your, your safety or, or have you talk about stuff that, you know, would, would, would reflect poorly. But um, I think given your, your situation and your experience, I actually know that someone like you would have a better perspective of answering this question as opposed to someone who would just read a, a news article. Because the thing is, is that most people aren't there in the front lines. Like a lot of us don't understand what war is like. I'm not saying that you know it all the way yet, but um, yeah, going going over there, do you do you feel that that, that a lot of the times these you know 
is there a little bit of a distinction like like sitting here that they say oh this is the enemy they're all horrible and they're this and they're that and, and then you go over there did any of that change do you ever look at those enemies those people you know from isis or maybe maybe what happened with uh, let's change that because isis obviously we can agree they're crazy but <laughs> but people from like iran and stuff do you ever like look at them and, and kind of understand what's happening and like see their point of view do you ever feel like what are we doing over here you know is, is there ever a notion that maybe things haven't changed since the early 2000s like i know this is a big question but like um i'm trying to um, a way to word it but you know no no i i totally understand what you're talking about and it's it, it's a really big question, and uh, I'll, I'll specify, you know, this is obviously me, Andrew, speaking. I'm not speaking cool. on the Marine Corps or the government. This is solely my perspective on things, um, and it's it's not – I'm not speaking – I'm not putting words in anyone else's mouth right. is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, it's definitely a little bit um, eye-opening in a way because especially when you're over there m- – nine times out of 10, I only had one opportunity when I was out there to ever like go off base. And that was in Kuwait, which is a very safe country. Um, you know, like nothing, nothing really happens in Kuwait. Um, and Kuwait's been safe for a long time. So I went out, I did a cash trip, um, which is, it's an acronym, but basically I went out to a hospital local in Kuwait city and worked with um, kids who had become injured in car accidents, you know, or couldn't see their families. And that was my only experience besides like talking with like an Iraqi soldier or something like that. Um, meeting any locals, these, these bases that you stay on are super isolated, especially as this coronavirus situation evolved that only became more so the case. Um, but especially if you're in Iraq or Syria or further ahead where there's actually a threat, you never leave, you'll never go anywhere. And so you never interact with these people. You never have an idea of like who they truly are. You know, like 90% of the Iraqis that I know, um, if you walk too close to their little bazaar stand and they're going to harass you for 30 minutes to buy whatever it is they're selling, you know? And then the other half of the Iraqis I know are Iraqi soldiers who are absurdly good at soccer and they love it a lot. (laughs) They, Mm. we played multiple soccer games against them and they beat us every time. But that's all, all that I really personally have is like uh, an experience with those people. So, and for good reason, it's all a security risk at the end of the day. And it makes sense. I'm not saying there's a reason there shouldn't be it, but when it comes down to it, it's one of those things where it's like, like this whole Iran situation developed and like, here I am in the middle of the desert. Like, right. uh, you know, I don't know them. I don't know why, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, I'm I'm just here to do my job um that i want to say that that idea of like this huge like like is everyone like oh yeah we're here to kick ass you know yeah no most people aren't i'll be honest more people want to go home than ever want to stay out there longer than they have to wow um that's good that's a good point of show for sure yeah most people just think that you know i think the last thing shooting yeah yeah exactly um right the, the last thing really in that regard is like, will it end? Has it changed? You know, obviously this is only my experience and I haven't, this is, I'm not like revisiting after many years, but when you talk to people who have, you know, my, your seniors, your gunnery sergeants or master sergeants who this is their, you know, their seventh, eighth deployment, you know, they've been in since the nineties. Um, wow. and they've seen this place, you know, and they're like, Oh yeah, I'm, 
I remember when I was a young Lance Corporal, you know, I built that deck over there and I set those tents up and this, this, and that. And it doesn't, it doesn't change much. There's very much a status quo that exists nowadays. Um, and, and they maintain it. And I can't say big picture what the best answer is. It doesn't seem like much changes. And even though I did a lot and was definitely one of the luckier ones in my company to get to go to a ton of different bases and do a ton of different things. Um, do I feel like personally that I've changed the way that it's going? Absolutely not. Uh, right before we left, um, I know that Donald Trump has talked about like, oh, we're going to leave Iraq. And then, you know, or the Iraqis want us out of Iraq. That's what they say a lot, you know. Um, but when you're at the level where I'm at, where you're just a person doing a job, you, you don't see any of that. And so it's hard to mm. imagine, you know, a million higher up in, this, in, the, in like the ladder, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, this is happening. Yeah, you don't really, you don't have any interaction with that. So, wow, Andrew, let me ask you: um, How has COVID nineteen impacted the Marine Corps and and your your position there? So specifically, um, we've there's no movement in or out of theater right now. So if your deployment was wrapping up, you can't go back home. And if you were about to go on deployment, you can't go and deploy. Um, I had a personal emergency situation, which is the only reason I'm here right now. Uh, the other 90% of the guys I was working with are still out there right now, deployed forward. Um, wow. And they were supposed to come back with me, but they couldn't because they only had so many slots. They only had one flight. And so only emergency people, you know, people with personal situations, people who are getting out of the military, people who are leaving those are the only people who got sent back. Wow. So, and at least for the time being, to my knowledge, uh, I think that's supposed to stay that way till June, unless, well, you know, um, coronavirus just disappears all of a sudden. Okay. Interesting. Right. I wanted to um, know that. That's cool. Okay. Andrew, we, we spoke, uh, first off, thanks for answering the other question brilliantly. But um, when we, spoke on the phone you kind of touched on like this this thing that you developed kind of like from being in the marine corps like this ability to just like flick a switch and they tell you to do mm -hmm. something you just do it and you're not like sitting there thinking oh why do i have to do this why am i doing this that thought doesn't occur to you you just kind of like not mindlessly do it but you're just like yeah you just work you just do it you just get it done that's my task boom it's it's very much it's something that they really try to harbor in, in, in the boot camp and the basic training process, you know, they talk a lot about breaking down the individual, you know, um, and it's, it's less, I would say like breaking down, like who your personal identity is. Um, that's how most people think like breaking me down, like, what, what are you going to take from me? You know? Um, right. It, what it, what it really is, is they, it, they take a portion of your, your habits, what your reflexes are, and they change those. Um, I mean, the most common thing you'll ever hear out of people who graduate from boot camp in the Marine Corps is, you know, I'm a better person now, right? You know, I eat right, I work out, you know, whatever it may be. Their previous habits have been removed and have been given habits. Um, and it's up to you to maintain them from there. And one of those biggest habits is that ability that when 
things get rough, uh, you know, whatever the situation may be, right? We need to hustle because we got to hurry up to get this done. Or there's rounds cracking over my head. We have to move, you know, or like in my case, you know, the base is getting bombed. Um, we have to go get everybody, get them in the bunker. There comes a point where you would like to think that, oh, I'm going to be angry, you know, or I'm going to cry if I'm pushed in every situation like that. But that thought never comes because this subliminal way of, of, of acting of priority saying this may be how I personally feel, but the mission and task is nine times more essential. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, and then you're just in it. Yeah. You're just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. We like, we, there is no deviation. There is no like time. Like, Oh, let me prepare for this. It's, it's immediate. And that's the whole point because those kind of events you, you can never expect, you never plan like, Oh yeah. In 30 minutes, we're going to get bombed guys. Don't worry about it. You know? And then we all just kind of meander into the bunkers and we all just, just wait around till it's over. Wow. That doesn't happen. You never know when it's going to happen. And you have to have something to fall back onto. That's the biggest thing because at the end of the day, like, um, a personality, you can, you can break someone's personality somehow, some way you can do it. There's someone's body. You can break that down. You know, you can change it. Um, how you look is the same way you can change all of that. But at the end of the day, the way you act, like what you value, that can't be changed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have some kind of reinforcement. You have to have some kind of immediate reaction because at least as I'm concerned, if there is no, if that immediate reaction doesn't happen, then how are you supposed to maintain all of this other stuff that you've actually, you know, cultivated, grown, and you care about? Yeah. So, right. So it's definitely, sorry. No, no, no that's ahead. it. That's it. I mean, that, it's, it's, it. it's wild. It's hearing what you're saying. I, I can't help but to ask my, my final question to you, which is, I mean, you, you've been touching upon it now in the last couple of answers, but everything that's been happening what happens to you now? Like, where do you see yourself going from here? You came back, you're able to get back. It doesn't sound like you're able to go back and deploy again until no. June, maybe. Um, so what happens to you now? So for me personally, I'm, I'm coming to an ending point in my career. I have a little over a year left. And normally once you reach your, your year mark in the Marine Corps, they kind of say, okay, are you going to, are you going to rejoin? No. In my case, I'm not. Um, okay, well then we're not like, uh, you're, they see you like an investment. That's how, that's what you mm -hmm. are to the military. You can see that how you want to, whether it's a good or a bad thing, but they see you as an investment. They train you, they feed you, they clothe you, they give you a place, right? So that way you can act upon the mission that they want done. Yeah. Um, and so once they know you're getting out, they're kind of like, well, you know, I'm not going to send you this super fancy training course because you're just going to get out. Like, where's that knowledge going to go? You're not going to mm -hmm. pass it on to anyone. Yeah. So you kind of, you can't deploy, you just kind of, just kind of work your last couple, uh, your like last couple months out, you know, cause you're preparing to get out by that point. You start having to go to like, uh, re, um, I, f I can't think of the word I'm looking to reintegration training. Like, you know, the civilian world is different. You're different. You need to know that. And just to make you aware of it as you prepare to become a civilian again. Um, so that's about where I'm at in my career. Um, I did my deployment and I won't be going on another one. And at this point, 
my biggest responsibilities are preparing myself to get out and whatever I want to pursue getting out. Um, and then passing on the knowledge that I've gained um, as a surveyor to these new guys who have just gotten here, the guys who I was two years ago. Now it's, we have a new batch. And so my job mostly comes down to mentoring and passing on that knowledge I've learned in those experiences as I prepare to get out and pursue a new career back in the right. civilian world. Wild. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so, so to hear this right, you, you're, you know, you're coming up on your year and you want to go back into some other thing with what you've learned from the military. You don't want to continue this is what I'm hearing, mm -hmm. right? So I want to make sure that's clear. All right. Um, last question for me, uh, being a little bit now in, in the military, you know, do you see any differences to how you, we always see it in Hollywood? And, and have you ever been asked to, speaking to Andrew only, have you ever been asked to do stuff that you maybe didn't agree with? I mean, we talked about flicking the switch. Was there ever a time where you felt like this isn't right? Why are we doing this? Because these higher-ups want us to do it. Has that ever happened? Uh, that's super common. Now, not in the way. It's not like, a, why are you yeah. making me commit this arbitrary crime, you know, or right. this, this, and that. Like, no, no, it's nothing like that, right? It's one of those things where – um, the Marine Corps is a very old organization, so it yeah. tends to hold values. It, it tends to change very slowly. So yeah. it, within the span of 20 years, it'll change, but not as much as you would think. So what happens is, is like, it, I feel like this is always the sort of like senior, junior, you know, there's always the young versus the old will always butt heads, you know, an officer will say like, we have to do this, but I want it specifically done this way you know it's it's more like work bs that every job has mm -hmm. definitely like they'd be like well it'd be more efficient if we did it this way but they're like dude just be quiet this this is how he wants it done we're just gonna do it yeah. we get paid it a salary so you know if, it, if it. it takes us four days to put this tent up i still get paid so it's totally up to him <laughs> <laughs> so there's a million ways but um definitely um in regards to is it different than Hollywood? Absolutely. You know, am I going to say that my boot camp experience was like full metal jacket or something like that? No, it was hard. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of yelling and they definitely don't care uh, too much. Well, actually they do now. They do now, actually. They, mm. they don't want their drill instructors cursing anymore. And um, Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's, a, that's a new rule that they've been pushing. And I think it was implemented just around the time that I went to boot camp. So, um, wow. but do they yell? Do they really get in your face? Do you break your body down physically? Yes. But in terms of like all the, you know, band of brothers, you know, Hollywood blockbuster firing from the hip. Yeah. Just letting, yeah. You know, Mark, letting, Mark Wahlberg style. It's all. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's not. Um, there's not a lot of active combat nowadays to begin with. Like, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some stereotypes specific to yeah. the military. The Marine Corps is very easy, you know, the whole jarhead, devil mm -hmm. dog, you know, that <laughs> that like being yeah. motivated is definitely something that persists, and we all hold it because we all it, – it's all part of us to some degree. Sure. But um, in the way where it's like, you know, yeah, dude, yesterday I was just walking to work, and Japanese plane came in, you know, I threw my cigarette butt at it, crashed, you know. It, it, I'm just that cool, you know? Um, yeah. No, that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I'd love yeah. to say that was the case, but uh, it's not, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Andrew, I got to say, I'm yeah. happy to see you back stateside. I'm happy you're here in California. I'm very excited to hear that you're not deciding to renew um, contract with the military and that you're looking to transition into being a civilian again, as it, you know, I've always thought you were a very, very intelligent individual, somebody that has a lot to add to community and society as a whole. And I'm stoked that you are safe and sound and back with us again. Yeah. Man. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mr. Clausey. Thank you for coming on, Andrew. And there you have it. H Charter High graduate, Andrew Wool. Nice always, to hear from you, man. Yeah, always so nice to hear from you, dude. And we also welcome any ACE member from our community in the future to come on the show. Andrew, once again, thank you, man. I, I, it's so nice to see your face. It's so, so happy to hear your voice. Um, and even every story that you're telling me leads uh, or ends with you being safe and back here with us. Um, I'm digging the stash. My real <laughs> jealous of the mustache. I'm I am. Like I'm saving this. Thing. You know, all in all class of 2017, if you guys are listening, do you have a mustache? Is it as good as Andrew's or is it more on the other side of the spectrum like Nikon's inquiring minds want to know? You guys, thank you again. Um, and that's all we have for this show. Thanks for listening, everybody.